Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. tell you that the, the pressure's on the preacher. I got accosted by a bunch of children uh, before the service started. And in essence, it went like this. How long are you going to preach today? <laughs> I was outnumbered. And so I promised them that we will try to keep it short. I said try. But uh, if your pastor's not here next week, I will put a note on my desk. You know who kidnapped me. Um, and you can go find me. No, what, what a joy it is to open the scripture. Take your Bible this morning and open it up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And the title of today's sermon is God with us. Now, I know we looked at this passage a couple weeks ago, and I'm still pondering its truth and, and kind of want to just draw some truth out of it again from a different angle. Um, but follow along as I read the passage, starting in verse 18. It reads there, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, that Christmas story doesn't never gets old. What a joy it is to know how you stepped into your own creation, knowing its desperate need, knowing the fact of a broken relationship because of sin is going to be restored for those who repent and believe in Jesus. We celebrate that truth here this morning, Father. We, we marvel at your kindness to us. And so, Father, as we go to your, your word and, and ponder what this means, God with us, we just ask that the Spirit will take the word and help the preacher. And may we just rejoice in your goodness and kindness to us. And so we love you. And pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. There's a story of a soldier who was concluding his Christmas duty 
that Christmas morning. It had been his custom in other years to attend worship in his home church on Christmas Day. But here in the outlying areas of London, it was not possible. And so with some of his buddies, they decide to walk down the road that led them to a city just as dawn was breaking. Soon the soldiers came upon an old gray stone building over whose main entrance were carved the words Queen Anne's Orphanage. They decided to knock and see what kind of celebration was taking place inside. In response to their knock, a woman came to the door and explained that the children were war orphans whose parents had been killed in the bombings. The soldiers went inside just as the children were tumbling out of their beds. However, the soldiers noticed that there was no Christmas tree in the corner and no presents. Quick thinking, the soldiers moved around the room wishing the the children a Merry Christmas and, and giving gifts with whatever they had in their pockets. A stick of chewing gum, a a lifesaver, a nickel or dime, a pencil and a knife. Of course, the children received it with great joy and gave the soldiers a hug. The soldiers noticed a little fellow standing alone in the corner. He looked a lot like his own nephew back home, so he approached and asked, And you, little guy, what do you want for Christmas? The child replied, Will you hug me? The soldier, with tears welling up in his eyes, picked up the boy and nestled him in his arms and held him close. Such illustration, such story shows us the compassion and love that the soldier had for the boy. But more importantly, it also reminds us of the great compassion that our God has for us. We can easily identify with the orphans, can we not? Outside of God's grace and Jesus Christ, we stand empty without hope and peace, and yet living often in spiritual misery. What we need is for God to come to wrap his gracious arms around us and save us. We need to have God with us. And the beautiful thing about Christmas is that God accomplishes that. And God sending Jesus Christ to dwell amongst men only to lead to a cross and die was so that in the end, for eternity... For those who trust and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will experience this kind of love and grace and forgiveness. But let me say, it isn't just about God wrapping his arms around you that makes Christ so appealing. There's more when you look at the scriptures. There's more, and if we truly understand the purpose of that first Christmas, we get a deeper meaning Why Jesus? Why must he come? Why are we called to allow him to to transform our lives by his grace? 
The true message of Christmas is that you and I need a Savior. You and I need somebody to, to come and rescue us, to redeem us. That message is wrapped up in what we celebrate in the incarnation of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And since the Son of God lived, died, and rose, and even reigns, and by the way, is coming again, God's truth tells us that through Him, it's much more than just having a, a good life, but it talks about having an eternal life in heaven. This is the story of God just interceding for man and dwelling amongst his people in order for that they may be saved, redeemed, and receive grace and mercy. I think about this because it's so rich when you think about this, relationships and how God desired to reconcile the most important relationship that man can have, and that is with his creator. Having a right relationship with a holy God. And the most important relationship that you and I need is to have that right relationship with God. A relationship with God, our creator, and we as his creation. Our text in Matthew tells us that the Messiah, this Christ child, will, will be called Emmanuel, which Matthew defines for us as God with us. And just pondering that little statement, a name that points to the character and the majesty of God, it perplexes us. God with us. In some part, it is, it is really remarkable that King Jesus would, would leave his heavenly home, humble himself, and dwell amongst the flesh. For him to be willing to consent, uh, condescend, for, actually from his, 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 his place in heaven, that holy place of authority, where he, everything was perfect. Do you think about that? Heaven is where everything is perfect. Perfect relationships with him, with inside the Trinity, and perfect relationship with those who surround him. To some degree, having a right relationship is unconceivable, to some degree. However, to think about what he left and what he has given... And where we're going amazes us. God going to his creation, a creation that is stained by sin, a creation, can we say, that is a mess? Yet the truth is, is that God is the one who initiates this reconciliation. Do you understand that? He doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us in our mess. He doesn't wait for man to be good enough to even begin reconciling us? No, he initiates it. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was motivated by love. He was motivated by the desire to get things right. And so with our, our time this morning, I, I want us to explore the significance of the incarnation of God and how he initiates this reconciliation, how he desires for us to understand what it means to have God with us. 
In order to do this, of course, we're going to open up just outside the Christmas story, a little bit of a, of a larger picture that, that kind of initiates the fact of why Christ came in the first place. You and I both know that we had a problem, and it started in the garden. It started in the garden of Eden. The relationship with our Creator that was designed to be God with man for eternity took a turn when Adam and Eve sinned. Scripture tells us that sin was permanent. It had a marked, distinct effect upon everybody else who would ever live. Ever since that time, man has has had a, a broken relationship with the Creator. But there would be hope. There would be hope, and I just love the fact of that God doesn't leave us hanging. Adam and Eve, serpent, punishment, pain, but in so doing, he also left that promise that we looked a little bit at it last night, the fact that there will be one born of a woman who will crush the serpent's head. This was the kindness of God to give a gift that God not only gave, but would restore sinful man. And of course, that gift is Christ. And this is the reason why, even as Matthew points to the reality that why Jesus came, so that he would save us from our sins. God with us, when you think about his incarnation, his dwelling with us, he came to be your savior. He came to be your substitute. He came to atone for our sins. And by the way, beloved, that's the only way that we man can ever be restored to a holy God. There's no other way. Not even all the goodness that you might ever accumulate in this life. The only way for man to be reconciled and to receive the gift of God is for them to repent and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is the primary, primary reason why Jesus came in the flesh. He came to be our substitute. Because God is holy, because he is just, he cannot simply ignore sin. And the right and just punishment for sin is God's wrath and spiritual death. It really came down to this. Either everyone who has ever sinned had to pay the price somehow, or there was going to be a substitute. Somebody who could fulfill the law, somebody who could redeem and bring and be the mediator that brings sinful man to a holy God. By the kindness of God, that's exactly what happened. That's why he sent Christ to come and to die. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And this wasn't an afterthought. That's what's so remarkable about this. This wasn't something that God assessed the situation and says, wow, they need a lot of help. He knew this from eternity past, that this was what needed to happen. For that matter, 700 years earlier, these words were written as they had already happened, but yet they foretell of what the Savior would do. Isaiah 53 tells us in verses 4 through 6 that, Surely our griefs he himself bore, 
and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I was talking to a, a bunch of pastors just recently and just telling them how we can never separate just the incarnation of Christ as a standalone truth. It must be connected with everything that he has done. And of course, they amen that. They, they, they understand the significance of, of why Christ comes. And, and so as much as we celebrate this incarnation, we, we can't forget about what comes next. His humility, being crucified, his his desire and willingness to go to the cross and to be crucified and die. To, to not only ascend, but also to understand that he's coming again. The incarnation of Jesus Christ being born as a baby would come with humility. But it also would climax in the whole issue of paying the sins of humanity. The innocent Son of God had lived a perfect life. He demonstrated perfect love. He became the perfect sacrifice. He hung on a cross, battered and beaten, abandoned by man, and abandoned by God the Father. He endured the wrath of the Father as punishment for our sin, and then he died. But he also rose. Defeated sin and death. I mean, think about Jesus and this Christ child and this gift given and being received and understanding that we need a Savior to, be, to reconcile and having this mighty God with us. No wonder we celebrate him. No wonder we rejoice in his goodness and kindness to us. Ultimately, because of that love and because of that demonstration of love, a sinner's relationship with the Holy God can be restored. The thing that we were created for, having a right relationship with God, is now fixed because of Christ. Don't know if you ponder that much, God with us. That's the reality of it. But there's more. Not only is God determined the way to restore sinful man to a holy God, but do you understand that God is not just with us in a distance? He is now with us in the Spirit. I love what Jesus was telling his disciples and us in John chapter 16. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Jesus speaking to them, he's telling them that he's heading to the cross. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me. 
and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I read such truth and I'm just marveling at the fact that God is not only with us just in, in, in his coming incarnation, but the fact that God is with us now with the dwelling of the presence of those who repent and believe in him. That's what makes it so remarkable when we think about the scriptures and, and, the, and the word of God telling us that, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever present. Kindly dwelling within the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit in us is God with us. It's the Spirit of God that opens our eyes to understanding. I mean, that text, it, it, could, it would do us well to kind of unfold that a little bit, but maybe in a later day and time, but it brings righteousness and understanding. It helps us navigate this world through divine eyes. It helps us to understand the Scriptures, this reality. The Spirit heals, comforts, and directs and leads, and encourages, and gives strength. Another aspect of the Spirit is that it is the motivating cause for us to live a holy life. It reminds us to, to pursue Christ. It conforms us to Christ. When I think about this, in light of where we're at this morning, Celebrating Christmas. God's plan wasn't just to restore our relationship and say, here is the Savior. And then leave us on our own to try to figure that out. No, he is kind enough to give you the, the dwelling of the Spirit. To continue this relationship in such a way that scripture tells us that it's beyond comprehension to the world. They don't get it. Unbelievers don't get it, but you do. Especially when trials and travesty comes our way, you, you know the shepherding hand of God to walk you through it. Christ with you, spirit within you to form you into a savior. So God came to us in the flesh to restore our relationship with the Father. And God comes to us in the Spirit to restore us back to his image. But there's one more thing I want you to ponder before we leave. And that is, one day, we will be with God forever. Do you get that, beloved? Heaven awaits. Eternal life awaits. Never God ever leaving you. Once you repent and believe, that relationship never changes. The story doesn't end with the active presence of God coming and dwelling with the Holy Spirit, but Scripture tells us He is coming back, and He comes back to get you. One of the joys of going to the hospital is reminding born-again Christians that this life is temporary. As they face death, there's something greater for them. That is not a fairy tale. I read scriptures like this to them. I read John 14, where it tells them, Do not let your heart be troubled. 
believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's speaking about eternity. He's speaking about the presence. Such a caring God to demonstrate a love that is far beyond our understanding and our need that he would come as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Speaking about a God who says, I'm going to send you a spirit to dwell with you so that you can know what this relationship looks like as far as being restored. Yes, ever fighting your sin, but understand that there's a redeemer and there's hope. And this gracious God who says, I'm going to come and get you and dwell with you forever. When you think about God with us, I mean, it's just profound. It sweeps you off your feet when you think about how mighty God is and what he's doing and desiring to send you a Savior who was born on that day. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Don't know where you are with with Christ. For most of you, I trust that you know him. I trust that you understand the, the dwelling presence of God in your life because you yourself have repented and received in faith salvation. There might be some of you here this morning who are struggling with that truth. You're trying to figure out life. And by the way, it might be that life's not going very well. Listen, Christmas is about the presence of God bursting onto the scene to save and redeem your soul, to to, to bring you in this right relationship with God. Only that through that repentance and that belief that he would give you the the dwelling of the Holy Spirit to be able to have this relationship forever. That is the meaning of God with us. Amen? Father, we do thank you this morning. Just thank you for stirring our hearts on on a simple truth this morning. To some degree, I don't know if we ever stop and really ponder the the reality of what this means. But you're so kind in your scriptures to avail these things. Just ask, Lord, that you continue to to press upon our souls, even even today, as families gather, dinners are being being eaten, and fellowship is happening, and, and friendships are being forged. I pray, Lord, that the subject of you would come up. I pray that you would be front and center. May we communicate the joy of having our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Lord and Savior at the forefront of our hearts, knowing what you have done for us. So receive our our thoughts and prayers that way, Lord. May you continue to stir us to not only communicate the gospel to others, but to also to live out the gospel that is so clearly in our eyes. We do have joy. Even though life trials sometimes suppress it, we have joy knowing the sovereign one who cares for our souls. And so we love you on this Christmas day. We love you on every day that, that you allow us to breathe breath, for you are truly the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for restoring this right relationship that we so desperately need. 
So to you alone do we pray to you. The living God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.